Out of the 93 Best Picture winners, one must be crowned the bestest of the best. You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Quest for the Bestest. I'm Timo, I'm joined by Tucker, Tanner, and Abram. Abram's still hanging out in the old Lincoln Neb, the old LNK. Um, But today, we are talking about a movie that is about a list. Should be right up our alley, right? Because we are in the business of making a list. Um, But uh, I I, I do believe that this, this list, Schindler's List, outdoes our list in every regard. It's a better list, I have to, I I have to admit. Um, Mm -hmm. But yep, you heard that right. We're talking about Steven Spielberg's 1993 Best Picture winner, Schindler's List. Um, Quite the sobering movie. This, I I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of joking around in this episode, because boy, this is a a tough one to watch, for sure. Um, But we have to do a little housekeeping first. Um, just to remind you, we're doing a new ranking system. It's not that different from what we were doing before. We're just giving everything a, a score out of 10 point whatever. Um, and then that gets averaged together and we use that to figure out where the films go on the list. So we were talking about Ben-Hur last time and that ended up on place number 17 out of 36 with a grand score of 8.1. So. Today, we're going to have to look at old Steven Spielberg, who has made a lot of good movies, um, a lot of movies that are very popular, and this is the one that, it, that garnered him the best picture. And, I mean, there's something to be said about this movie as best picture winner, and so I think we should dive right in and talk about it. Anyone want to, you know, this is, movie is a lot more well-known than some of the other ones we were talking about, so I think a synopsis can be pretty quick and pretty light, but who wants to tackle it? Um, I think I think I can do that, team. Okay, okay, I can do that for you, hun. Uh, this film is takes place in during World War II in the throes of the Holocaust. Uh, I believe it takes place in Poland, uh, in the city of Krakow. It follows Oskar Schindler, who is a factory owner who decides to capitalize off of the cheap labor of Jewish people at the time, and uh, employ them in his factory. Uh, he employs a man named Istak Stern, uh, portrayed by Ben Kingsley who sort of uh, pulls some strings to get lots of Jewish people employed at this factory. And um, as Oscar Schindler sees the events of, you know, emptying out uh, Jewish ghettos and moving them to concentration camps, as he sees things, these things happen in his life, his, uh, his resolve softens a little bit to the Jewish, the Jewish people's cause and, uh, and struggle. And uh, he, you know, he, he takes steps to protect them by employing more of them in his factory, you know, spending and he, he ends up spending a good portion or all of his fortune on uh, rescuing and protecting these people from Krakow. Yeah, from from the Nazis that are trying to kill them in yes. in, in World War Two. Yeah, it's a heavy movie. I'm just going to come right out and say that I don't really cry a lot during films. And this got to me a um, couple couple portions during the film. I was just I was kind of overwhelmed um, and I, I definitely had to split it into two parts um, not because I was bored or tired, but just because I needed a break. I needed to go and think about other things for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And it, this film has a lot of power. Um, you know, that's a, there's a big discussion in it, uh, you know, about halfway through the film um, about power and what does that mean. And, it's, you know, this film takes a, a different approach to using its power on me than, than the characters do, but it works. It works yes. phenomenally well in my book. 
So yeah. I want to hear about some thoughts. Tucker? I watched this movie with my mom a handful of years ago. Um, and at the time, I wasn't really into uh, the Oscars at all. I wasn't really into older films. And black and white was kind of a strange thing to me. And so I found it pretty boring that first time. Uh, this time, though, I think this is almost the, a perfect movie. I don't think I have any flaws with it from any perspective. Um, and I think it's very clearly one of the strongest all-around films we've seen. I mean, it tells a fantastic story. It has a moral message. It has fantastic cinematography and uh, editing. And it uses, you know, what we're talking about, the, the power of film editing and filmmaking to tell a really impactful story so much that someone like you would cry at it. And I found myself tearing up or, or feeling in my gut those dark feelings of watching really horrid stuff happen. And the portrayal of those, I think, is handled with not only a reverence, but a, a rawness that allows it to be super powerful and impactful. Mm-hmm. Abram? No no jokes this time. I, I, I was m almost making jokes when we were finishing up the movie. I'm like, that's a bad idea. No, I need to wind it back and, and finally, for once in my life, shut up and just talk about <laughs> something serious. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, th I think this film is, is um, incredible. I, I, think it, I think this is an encapsulation of what film can do, the way it captures feel, the way it... Uh, elevates and empathizes a, a a chapter of history that I would argue we might be desensitized to in the way that it's taught in a yeah. more, more clinical way, the way you might experience World War, War II media and everything. I think this film is fucked up. I think I think it's incredibly raw. Um, I think it's incredibly acted, incredibly performed. I, I think that the fundamentals are, are perfect. That said, I, I have some issues with the film. I, I don't really think that the black and white color juxtaposition works for me. I don't think it really adds a lot to the film. I think that the, the choice to use black and white uh, is inspired, and I don't think the film would be as good in color, frankly. I, I think it's pretty striking. But when the color is introduced, it feels it feels a little bit surface level, feels a little bit unnecessary. But when I sure. think of when I think of um, scoring a film, I'm not really looking at pros versus cons. I'm looking at the ratio. And what this film does right in comparison to what I what I think it does wrong is is so staggering um, that to show my hand early, I think this film is a 10. Mm. Wow, Tanner, that's pretty. That's um, a pretty tough yeah, one to I, follow up. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have much to say uh, different than these two fellows, and uh, I, I'm sure you, you as well, Timo. I think uh, Steven Spielberg expertly, like, expertly um, delivers in Schindler's List. He really delivers on two fronts as a director. This film really balances two expert forms, and Spielberg perfects them both. Uh, along with what Abram was saying, I think, you know, Liam Neeson, Ray Fiennes, uh, Ben Kingsley all perform fantastic performances. Uh, the cinematography, as Tucker was saying, is haunting and, and lends itself to the message of this film and uh, in the two forums that I was talking about with Spielberg. Um, but yeah, I think this film is is really something to behold. I'd only seen parts of it broken up over the parts over a, a week of social studies class in high school. And yeah, to what you were saying, Tim, about watching this in, in parts, it is a rough one to sit through. Uh, it earns its length, absolutely. It it, 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 um, it really carries you on this harrowing journey, uh, not only of the Jewish experience, but of the character arc of Oscar Schindler. And I think it does it all perfectly. Yeah, I think a good place to start in this discussion and kind of where I come from at this film is with the director, with Spielberg. Spielberg, mm -hmm. this is 
I think this film was made at the perfect time in his career, and it's made by the right guy. Spielberg, as a director, has these techniques that he uses to make... He made, he made fucking Jaws. Like, come on. He made that movie. Which yeah, is, you're not wrong. And, in, you know, a great movie, but for 180, you know, 100% different reasons. It's a complete 180-degree flip, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these techniques that he uses to just, like, you know, super... He uses long takes a lot. He uses, I think, I noticed this, in, at least in the first half of the film, it's, it's pretty spare in the dialogue. We really get all the story beats and everything that's going on through shots and whatnot. Um, and the only real talking that's going on is just to move us along in the, in the bare minimum sense. And I find that as like a super big accomplishment to do that with such a, mm-hmm. a personal story with a lot of characters. There's a lot of people in this film that, that we know and we sort of know their names and we keep hearing them repeated throughout. Um, but I guess... What are you know? What are y'all's thoughts on on the direction of this film as a place to just start talking about it? The one thing uh, that I wanted to bring up first, and because it's the first point on my thing, and because Abram brought it up during his opening thoughts, is is the use of black and white. I think we kind of discussed that because while I actually am finding myself agreeing with Abram that the the way that the color was brought in for the very last you know shot sequence, whatever you want to say, it's it's the last moment of the film. Um, color returns to the film as. Uh, people in the modern day are are mourning uh, Oscar Schindler passing. Not just people, um, or not those are the, uh, the actual those are people, the right? actual yeah. people with their actor counterparts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that is it's a great moment from the way that it ends the film. But the big, I don't think the color returning really means much. Like it doesn't like it kind of felt out of place to me. It, it like felt a little weird. Like the color grading was a little bit strange. But I think that is just because for me the black and white color grading, you know, color format, I think accentuates this movie to an incredible degree. I think it really makes the lighting especially so much more rich. I mean, you look at the shots of just like items on tables or people like standing in shadows and it's just, it's gorgeous. And I was just enraptured. I don't really like to use those huge words too often, but I really was, I loved how, the lighting look in this film because it was in black and white and I don't think it would be as powerful and one thing that Tanner brought up last night it was the choice to do it was to help it match a documentary feel because you know black and white film was in black and white during the time of the holocaust and I think that also really helps you feel like okay I'm seeing what actually happened because we've all seen real holocaust footage of bodies being burned and piles of belongings being piled up and of course this was all staged it was sets but you, it, it feels almost exactly like what we've seen of, of archive footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was also going to bring that up, Tucker. Yes, uh, Steven Spielberg, I said that the black and white choice was to uh, emulate documentary footage of the of the time. Uh, speaking of the direction of this film, uh, about a, a good portion of the film is also use, filmed using handheld, which is also emulating documentary footage at the time. Yeah. Um, and I, the two forms that I was talking about were that, one, the documentary form that I think Spielberg does very well with the handheld footage, uh, the black and white cinematography, and, you know, the, the uh, how the camera moves through, like, the emptying of the ghettos and in concentration camps and stuff like that. And also, he takes a more, uh, a, a more macro filmmaking uh, form to it as well when he places the cameras in, in, in corners of rooms. Uh, and, and pans back and forth between conversations. Uh, I think a great example of, of that form is the opening when we first see Oscar Schindler uh, really analyzing these this uh, Nazi couple from across the room at a party. 
Uh, and that's who really who Oscar Schindler is. He's he he's an analyst. He knows how to he learns and he capitalizes on situations and he knows how to how to play into people's you know insecurities and uh, situations to benefit him. And uh, I I think from its introduction, uh, Spielberg really make a statement with his with his two directing styles in this. And like I said in my opening statement, uh, he masters both of them. Yeah. I mean, Spielberg, I think, does a, does a great job just as a director overall of shooting in a very evocative style and a very easy to understand style um, and, and in, a, in a way that you understand what he's telling you through the camera as well as you understand what's going on through, you know, action and dialogue and whatnot. Um, and a mm-hmm. lot of and that really helps. I think, you know, the emptying the ghetto scene is like that and when the children are rounded up in the in the concentration camp the way those mm. two sh- scenes are shot to me i mean just not in my chest i've just been totally feeling it's so raw it feels so frenetic everything's moving around so much and there's so much chaos in in the way that things are shot except that i can see everything it's not a chaotic like there's blurry and there's things are moving faster than i can understand i can understand what's going on and i don't like it and i don't want to see yeah. it but i have to and so that's sure, a yeah. that's a, a very powerful way to shoot a movie, I think. Yeah, Abram, do you have any thoughts on the direction? Otherwise, I have a, a bit of trivia about the direction and the director's spot in this movie. Well, I, I think the direction doesn't doesn't make itself apparent to me, which is important. I, mm-hmm. I think what what succeeds to me about a lot of Spielberg's films, and this in particular, is that he services his story. And the, the techniques he uses are about uh, immersing the audience. So I, I, I think that the success for me of, of a film is its ability to tell me a story. And this is what he does. And he does it in a very emotional way. So, so frankly, I didn't really ever find myself noticing where he put the camera or, or w- the ways that he had anything blocked out. Because ultimately, it didn't feel s- staged. And, and yeah. partially that's due in part to the documentary style, but partially just a commitment to... This is not a vanity project. This isn't about the. the this isn't about hearkening back to neorealism in an obvious way. It's about mm-hmm. it's about forcing you to confront the story, and, and that's a testament to the direction. But I think it's just a testament to how impeccable the the overall experience of the film is. Yeah, I got to admit, I was only thinking, oh yeah, I'm watching a Spielberg movie for the first thirty minutes, and after that, yeah, it does not matter. I'm so invested in what's happening that. I'm just, you know, it's story. I mean, he Spielberg has gone on record that he is very extremely story focused when he thinks about directing, and it shows. I think in this film a lot. I think you're exactly right, Abram. Tanner, the yep. Mr. Trivia Master, you have something for us? Yes. Uh, Spielberg was originally attached to this film as a producer, and he was a little intimidated to direct a film of this of this stature. So he shopped it around to people like Martin Scorsese, who said that he felt uncomfortable because he felt a, a Jewish tr- director should handle the project. He brought it to Roman Polanski, uh, who felt uncomfortable with it because of his personal experiences growing up during the Holocaust. And uh, Billy Wilder as well. Billy Wilder was actually the one who convinced Spiel- Spielberg to take on directing the project himself. Yeah, and Spielberg has talked a lot about how this is probably his most important film personally mm-hmm. um and how you know he, as as a jewish person himself it's you know extremely it's it's exactly the film that he he wanted and felt like he had to make 
Yeah, uh, if I, I have another bit of uh, interview. An interview, Spielberg said that he was really pushed to make this because uh, of the rise of like Holocaust denial and neo-Nazism that he was seeing in the 1990s and the 1980s as well. And uh, he also, uh, last bit of trivia I have about, about Spielberg in the production of this, uh, well, that's not true, but uh, about, his, about his directing spot is that he donated his typical like paycheck that he would get from this movie to the Shoah Foundation, which uh, compiles interviews of survivors of genocide from across the world, which also obviously includes the Holocaust. That's really interesting, actually. I mean, yeah. production history all behind this, I think it really shows uh, the, the the care that he put into it. And him mm-hmm. being a little bit timid or, you know, overwhelmed by taking on this project, I think shows a, a reverence for the subject matter. He wasn't excited to make the Holocaust no. movie. And, no. and I think that that also helps him revere the content a little better. And I think that, and I'm, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I think it shows best in what I think is the strongest aspect of this movie is showing vignettes of people's lives being destroyed. Mm-hmm. I think you've got two stories going on here, obviously the Oscar Schindler uh, story, but the stories of the dozens and dozens of other smaller, you know, D-tier characters in the amount of screen time they get, but... Um, characters that are Jewish people whose lives are, are being upended by the Nazi regime uh, and the new laws and new society societal rules. Um, and we get tons of those throughout the film. And mm-hmm. it, he's not afraid to just cut somewhere else entirely random, drop Oscar Schindler for 30 minutes at a time sometimes mm-hmm. and, and show how people are being affected by things. And those were the sequences, while I, I am very interested in the Oscar Schindler story, those were the sequences I felt myself most engaged because, as Timo was saying, it felt raw because of the kinetic nature of the camera moving around the documentary style. I was just really... I, I, I love I loved those sequences from what, how they made me want to connect to these characters that are even just, you know, passing by or, or have one thing happen to them. And, mm-hmm. and the fact is that these thing, these scenes happened quickly because everything was obviously happening very quickly in real life, and the disregard for human life is is shown bar none. I, I don't think it's ever been matched. I mean, anything I've seen with the ways that you know the Nazis will just dispose of people for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I think that's why this film is most powerful: is showing the people's lives and then just also showing them ended. I mean, it, it's it's a really interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. Well, does that lead it? I mean. Shall we dive in and, and discuss the story and the story beats here? Um, this is sure. this is the toughest part of the, the review. So if, if you're listening out there and this is a little, is a little much for you to handle, I, I don't I don't blame you at all. But um, yeah, we talk about this arc of Oscar Schindler and I, let's dive into how how that's presented and just how well it works as as I think a subtlest. You know, we're going to use the quest terminology. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very subtle arc. Um, where he's not presented, you know, Spielberg doesn't bring him in and say like, you know, outright, he is out to make money. He's going to exploit these people. He's using the, he says, I mean, he does say it in like the line, like, oh, there's one thing my business needed war. That was a line, you know, early in the film. And I think that's the most obvious time. That's where he's least subtle in what's going on. But as, as the Mm -hmm. film changes, I find Oscar Schindler as a character, the way he shifts and the way he starts thinking about stuff differently is shown in such a way that I understand it, I get what's going on, but I'm not, it's not handed to me on a silver platter, which is a great directing compliment in my book. Well, I, mm. What do you guys think about that? I mean, one thing that I think was interesting is I had, I'd seen this movie before, but honestly, I didn't really remember it. I had forgotten that he started off as 
uh, just business magnate, not really in it to help people. Uh, I was I was trying to read into things as him wanting to help people, and then Tanner mentioned offhandedly, like, or Aunt, Abram asked Tanner answered was a whole situation of he's just he's in this for money, right? Like he's not he's just going business. He doesn't really care about their lives yet. And I was like, oh, that's right. That is how he starts. And, and I had this moment where I reframed everything, and suddenly I was paying attention to the ways he interacted with people and talked about his business putting that before the human lives and then watching that pretty slowly change throughout the course of the mm -hmm. movie too. You get to the end where he's crying because he couldn't save one human life. I think oh. it's a, it's a fantastic character arc. Yeah. If I, if I can just skip to the end, uh, that, that, that final like a uh, monologue that an exchange that him and that Liam Neeson and Ben Kingsley have is incredibly powerful when, you know, he's really, he, he, the, the war is at his end and he's like, I could have done more and I should have done more. And you come to realize that, yeah, he's he's right. Because the, as Tucker said, uh, his 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 uh, his character arc happens very slowly. And uh, it's only in the last maybe what, like hour of the film that he really t he really takes an interest in in saving the, the Jewish people of Krakow. And, you know, he says he, he could have he could have sold his car. He could have sold uh, like his suit or something like that. And uh yeah, it it really it does uh to use a term that Tucker said it reframes a lot of his actions. He as you think back and he's like, he he brushes the ash off of his car from from the burning bodies and he's like, oh, this, this, what a nuisance that this ash is all over my car, and uh, yeah, I mean yeah, and you think back to like very early in the film when he's when he's buddying up to like these Nazi party members only mm -hmm. to benefit his business, and it, it is you, you and it really frames for you the guilt that oscar schindler feels in that moment that he's like i sided with these people i ignored i had apathy for thousands of lives and then ben kingsley delivers a line that that just has stayed with me since you know since we finished the movie which is there will be generations because of what you did and i think that really speaks to another message of the film and that is that uh you know i, I it's the it's the inscription that the, on the ring that they made for him is that uh, if you, what is it? If you save one life, you save the world. Sure. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think message wise, this film delivers a lot in, in that just he, I, mm -hmm. I struggle to really find words to, 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 to encapsulate it, but I feel like I know it so well. It's, by the end of the film, you're like, he, he's he's a good man and he has done a good thing. But he has that um, mm -hmm. in the factory, the last speech where he talks about and he's like, I am a criminal. I have to go on the run. Um, you are free. And he and he tells tells the soldiers, too. He says you can be men and you can mm -hmm. leave and you can go home or you can um, be murderers. And that's yeah. like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> like it's, the script isn't overwritten. Yeah. And, and that's why I think it's pretty close to perfect. Um, it's it's very plain and it allows uh, emotion and what's left unsaid to communicate a lot to the audience and I think mm -hmm. that's incredibly effective. Um, so I think it's a success on behalf of the script, but I think it's also the the performances that really take the film even even further. And and I think that the the true heart of the film for me is Ray Fine's Eamon, who mm -hmm. is. Probably the most despicable mm -hmm. villain I have seen in in any film, and, mm -hmm. and I I think the way that he 
kind of shapes the, the tenor of, of Oscar's behavior and th- their interplay is, is really I- exceptional. I mean, it, it's somewhat of, of a trope to have, you know, your, your, your protagonist and your antagonist have some sort of relationship together. But I, but I think the ways that they unfold and play off of each other is, is astounding. And to speak again to the point of leaving a lot unsaid, I, w- I was thinking a lot during the third act where Eamon basically disappears. I'm like, I well, well, does this feel unsatisfying? And then the one scene of him being hanged and moving mm-hmm. on is an encapsulation of why this film works, because we don't mm-hmm. need to drag it out. We, we yeah. saw what he did. We saw him take his scoped rifle and just start shooting Jewish people from his balcony. Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell us anything else. Yeah, the first thing he did in yeah. the morning, he so, woke up and did that. I mean, yeah, it's so hard I, to get I more think that the way that. that the script allows action to speak and the way that it allows these characters to kind of fester and be terrible or try to redeem themselves is, is again, subtle and incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, I mean, props to Ray Fiennes for yeah, playing I mean, that character because, I mean, some, yep. of the, some of the shit that he does, I, I wouldn't want that on my conscience, obviously. But, I mean, even as an actor, like, I can't imagine this was an easy role to cast for because... It, he does some some stuff that is un, un, not unheard of because he was one of many Nazi men who did this exact same thing. But mm-hmm. um, as a role, I can't imagine him preparing for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh... Yeah. Well, can we can we talk about you know we're on performance and mm-hmm. and Ray Fiennes is is very very yeah. good. But I mean Liam Neeson. We got to talk about the leading man here. As you know, I'm not sure how many. What's like the has Liam Neeson done a lot of other like very very serious um, drama roles like this? Because I feel like he has this reputation as like an is, action movie. You know, he's in he's in the Taken series, which is a, is more contemporary. But I feel like it's a it, the out of you know I'm not used to seeing Liam Neeson in this position as an actor, and that mm-hmm. is why I like it so much because I don't really see him as Liam Neeson because he's not running around shooting a gun. He's, sure. he's yeah. Oscar Schindler. He is this character and he is doing these actions um, that are, you know, not like what I expect from the face and the body of, of Liam Neeson. And so that works for me. And I find his performance mm-hmm. extremely compelling throughout the film. He Every line is delivered with just, just the right feel to it. And it gives, you know, I can really tell what he's thinking and, and everything that you want from a character and an actor is, is really portrayed yeah. through Liam Neeson. Uh, we just, we talked about uh, Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes, who both earned a uh, leading actor and supporting actor nomination. I'll just go through the wins and noms here a second since we're on that page. Uh, Steven oh, yeah. Spielberg won uh, Best Director this year. Uh, Steven Zalian won for Best Screenplay, or Best Adapted Screenplay, excuse me. Uh, it won for Best Cinematography. Best set direction, uh, best editing, best score, and then uh, Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes, like I said, were both nominated for their performances. It was nominated for costume design, sound, and makeup as well. Yeah, all that makes sense. And yeah. we were talking last week about I mean, Ben Hur and how <laughs> that movie do- succeeds best in the insanity of its production design. But mm-hmm. this movie does its production design, I would say, just as in- insanely, uh, insanely detailed. Um, but on a much more personal scale. It doesn't have the mm-hmm. the benefit of being as epic as Ben-Hur does, but I think the, the impact of how crazy deep they went on making sure everyone was properly costumed and making, the, I think, one of the best visual set pieces in this movie, 
um, is the road made of gravestones. Um, just the production behind that, I mean, it looks incredible. And just the, I, I think the production design is is off the charts in this, but in a much more mm-hmm. raw and realistic way where your attention isn't drawn to it. You just you feel the the pain of its mm-hmm. existence because you're being shown the horrors of the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, but you're not like, oh wow, look at this, look at the production design. You just you notice it afterward. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that it is an epic scale of production design. It's sure, a huge yeah, well, yeah, amount of, of extras. It's you know the extra and cast. Um, you know, I I find very compelling just how they communicated to those masses of people. I'm sure it wasn't that difficult, um, given the subject matter, but to to convey just the pain through those big crowds, you could feel all and the horror and the and just the, the everyone is super afraid in these moments. Um, and then there are the insane set pieces, I think, like where they have the gigantic yeah, 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 mound yeah. of burning bodies. And it's like, and that, well, that's a, works works on a story level and it works on a production design level. And I mean, so much so that you don't think about it. You just watch and you're, and you're horrified, um, mm-hmm. but you, you have to keep watching. One thing so, I want to note yeah, that I think, I, right I think adds another dimension to the film are these sort of notes of resilience that, that are throughout um, even sometimes contrasting the, the, the most fucked up parts of the film, what I think of really captures this uh, duality pretty well is, is the shower sequence when mm-hmm. the train is diverted to Auschwitz and they think wow, that they're yeah. about to get gassed and then they're just showering and everyone's laughing and holding each other. And I think it's those little moments that kind of track alongside the sort of macro triumph of, of Oscar that make the film for as dour as it is I think feel resonant and hopeful in, in a way that feels earned and doesn't feel, you know, bizarrely earnest in in a story like this. I, I just think that there's a there's a there's a great multifaceted tonal mm-hmm. element here that is really important. Yeah, I think for as dour as the film is, Steven Spielberg never loses sight of the optimism, which is something that permeates through a lot of his films. He's a very optimistic filmmaker. That's why so many of his films have like found themselves in the nostalgia of of many people throughout throughout uh, the years of cinema as well as like some of the most well-regarded films of all time are steven spielberg films and i think it's that optimism and i think that's also the reason why on a macro level on a meta level it's so important that he did this film because sure. uh, a lot of people a lot of people were telling him apparently he's like you don't want to do this 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 very dour this sad holocaust movie you're you're the indiana jones guy you're the jaws guy and uh, i think that's it just it just points it to the fact more that how important this film is on a in a real life sense because it it does depict these the events of the holocaust in in visceral detail and uh, the the care that steven spielberg and everybody in the cast and crew of this film had for the events they were portraying is palpable and it's real and it's moving. I think that the reason it works so well is, and I was thinking about yeah. this as the movie was wrapping up, this isn't, it, it, it factually is a Hollywood movie, but holy hell did it not feel like it. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't feel those those tropes or or Hollywood style ending, nothing like that. I mean, it, it completely subverts that in a way that you get the, power of a ton of money being pumped into this for the production design but it doesn't have the tropes that come with a studio you know wanting it to be super accessible or avoid mm-hmm. dark themes like, I, I think it, it strikes the perfect balance that 
this movie, as as everyone was saying, and again in his opening thoughts, this is like this is a power of cinema right here. Yeah, I mean, it it not only has the the power of emotion telling the story of the Holocaust, but the power of huge monetary backing that allows it to be shown in the scale and uh, in detail that increases that impact and that rawness. Yeah, I think it is. This is maybe one of the most capital I important films that I've ever seen. And uh, I think it really points to the fact why this, maybe more than any other film on this list, is deserved the Best Picture win. Yeah, I was I was gonna say out of all of Spielberg's films, this one is far and away the one that I would pick to win a Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly other of his films have done better at the box box office and have had, have other better metrics, but this one hits. On, a, on an artistic level, it hits on a cinematic level. I mean, you know, as as film enjoyers here, this is a reason we mm-hmm. it, it's movies like this that prove why I like to watch a movie as opposed to, you know, seeing some other form of media. It's it's why it's my favorite, because it works yeah. in all these different ways. I just want to throw in yeah. real quick um, me being sound guy. I love the sound design in this movie. It's very sparse. Mm. There's not it doesn't call attention to itself. Um, I only noticed it. Because in a couple scenes, I was like really paying attention. I love how quiet this film is. It's super, super quiet. And you hear these tiny little details of the sounds. And occasionally when like very important scene, you know, very important dialogue is happening, it pulls out. There's like no sound except for the voices. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a that's a brave choice. It's really scary to do that because it sounds empty if you're not being very deliberate about it. But the sound designers pulled it off. It works. Um, And, you know. The further the film moves, the less and less I notice this, these aspects and the more I'm just drawn in because they all, you know, the lighting, the sound design, everything like that mm-hmm. builds together to, to just hold up the story and to hold up the emotion of the film that I'm supposed to be. Yeah. That not, not, it's not even that I'm supposed to be feeling. It's the, it, it makes me feel this way. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be sad right now. It's like I am sad because it has created the necessary, you know, all the different prerequisites for that. And so, I mean, that's an accomplishment right there yeah uh if i can drop in a real a few great details of like filmmaking fundamentals which is something we get into a lot here Mm -hmm. i think uh in doing some research of this uh i didn't catch this but apparently in the scene where oscar is kind of like intimidating um um, itzak in their first meeting like trying to convince him to get get these business investors in there is like a faint like train whistle at the end of his like whole speech there where he's trying to convince him sort of like this warning of you help me or else sort of thing which is really great um just like i think tucker said this earlier about the cinematography or maybe it was aram the way that light is used uh when when they do like the camera on top of a room or in the corner of a room and you can see the light beaming in through windows and stuff that's just beautiful cinematography one of my favorite shots is when uh, Oscar is talking to Itzak about halfway through the movie and Itzak has to go back into the concentration camp and he's like enveloped by this spotlight that's shining right at the camera and Oscar is just left standing there at the gates of the concentration camp. That's great. Uh, one cool like casting production design detail, last one I'll mention here, is that uh, at the very end uh, when the when they're in the the the, sh- the shell making factory though like when they're making tank shells and stuff like that the, the, the shells guards... the, where where he says the, a great oh, yeah. a great well, moment this is that that like resilience the where it feels it feels good he's like if this factory makes one shell that works i will have failed what a yes. yeah that's a great moment what a good moment yeah 
there is the the, the guards are like un, in the basement of the factory or whatever while the Jewish people are are celebrating the Sabbath. And I really like the detail of it's towards the end of the war and all these soldiers are visibly like teenagers, early 20s, because that's who the German soldiery was at towards the end of the war. They were just they were just drafting anybody. So that's just a really great detail that I noticed. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, sh- it shows how well Spielberg knows his his story and his subject matter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you guys have any more thoughts you want to get to before? I, I, I'm sensing that we want, to, we want to punch in some numbers here and figure out what, where this goes, because sensing something. I'm sensing something here. Shall we yeah. just go for it? Shall we just punch them in? Uh, I, I, I think there is, if, if we can do, I think there is just a lot of great scenes that you can analyze and pull out. The, the, this film is just packed wall to wall with fantastically moving and well done and well directed and well performed scenes that we could spend all day pulling out. Oh, what'd you guys think about this? Wasn't this great? What'd you think about this? Wasn't this great? But looking at it as a big picture, I think we've all come down in a, in a very similar spot. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then um, let's punch these numbers in. Are you ready? I'm punching in mine. I've got my my typewriter here. I'm gonna hit it. And uh, yep. my, mine is my number is in. Let's see. We're getting one more. In. And that. Whoa. Okay. This is big. This is big, guys. So yeah. that number is in there, it. and you guys can see it. Um, holy crap. Okay, so running down the scores, Abram gave his score very early in the episode. He gave it a flat 10.0. Um, mm. Tanner also gave it a 10.0, so that's that's yes. pretty far up there. Tucker gave it a 9.8, and I gave it a 9.7, and so that is far and away the top film on the list. Moves yeah. immediately up to the first one. At a score of nine point nine, it's a little, it's 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 nine point eight, it's it's quite a lot of decibels. But nine point nine, there's no tie mm -hmm. here. We don't even really need to think about it. Schindler's List is, I mean, you got to make some kind of graphic. This hasn't happened since episode two. There being new number one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. We did it, boys. I mean, uh, if I can speak to my scoring here, I, I mean, I, I think we, we've said this uh, in one way or another throughout, the re- throughout this review, but this film does what film should do and what film can do. And I think it's, it, it's a testament to uh, what the art form can accomplish, what the directors and, and actors and, and uh, set dressers and editors and everything and, and scores or composers rather can accomplish to make a product and what that means for a wider audience and what it can do to an audience. This is, uh, to me, the, a, a, a capital F film. I mean, this is a... It's, it's, it's incredible. I'm almost at a loss for words for how, for how moving this is on a grand scale, because this is, this is not... Well, we're singing the praises of a film that always gets its praises sung, and for mm-hmm. good reason, now that I've seen it in an entire sitting. It is just incredible. I was saving uh, my perfect 10 uh, for Birdman, which is one of my personal favorite Best Picture winners. But this just takes it to a whole nother level. So I needed to give it the highest possible score. Yeah, this film is is, is really, really close to a, to a perfect 10 for me. I, I love it in, in all kinds of uh, in all it all kinds of ways in that it's so moving and, and does so much. Uh, I think you're exactly right. So the, the extremely high score is very warranted. The basically perfect score. Pretty much. I mean, I mean it, it's it's about as close as you can get. I mean, there's a little room. It, something, something could go in there, mm-hmm. but uh, 
you know, thinking about what's on the list. I really don't know what else could, uh, could, you know, but you never know. You never know. Um, so there you go. Wow. That's Abram. Wait, Abram, Abram, I want to hear Abram's thoughts. On oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Abram also gave it a perfect 10. So yes, I did. Uh, I, I just think that the very best art, no matter what the medium is, makes you forget that somebody made it and makes you mm-hmm. not think about its, its production. I mean, games, film, I look at it to analyze it. And when something hits a certain transcendent benchmark, that's not what you're thinking about. You're just thinking about narrative. And you're thinking about being immersed, and that's exactly mm. what this film does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not much I mean, more to uh, say, Tanner. I mean, if I can, uh, if I can drop in uh, a last piece of trivia yep. here to really, to really sum up the whole thing, because uh, th- this was this was the most serious we've ever been on an episode of Quest, and uh, during the production of the film, obviously, it was also very serious, very dour every single day. So Steven Spielberg did some things to lift his spirits, which I think uh, we we should be. De- do going into the spin here. Okay. So uh, every day after filming had ended, Steven Spielberg went home and watched uh, Seinfeld, uh, which is an interesting detail. And he also apparently hired Robin Williams to do uh, to do stand up on set every so often and perform it over the loudspeakers at the studio or something like that. And huh. some of those some of those stand up sets. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. That, that's I'll just end it there. That he Robin Williams was present on set to do stand up. Jerry, uh, Steven Spielberg watched. Seinfeld to lift his spirits, and uh, we're going to look over at the wheel to lift our spirits. Amen. I'll certainly lift mine. We are going to look yeah. at the wheel. I've got it pulled up right here. Are you ready, Tanner? Do you? I am. Uh, is it is it is it a rhyme time or is it not? I can't tell what what you're it's... thinking. Tanner, out of the reverence for Schindler's List, can we not do the rhyme this week, please? Yeah, sure. Let's All just right. let's just do the spin. Well, just... it'll be back next week, folks. Don't worry. The spin. There it goes. Very quickly. Very fast. Who knows what we're going to get? I mean. I have no idea. Okay. But 34. The number is 34. What could Uh-oh. What could that mean? What could that oh, no. be? Tucker let out an oh no, which is not good at all. Nope, it it's is not. Timo Nelson. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. Uh-oh. Timo, it's oh. time. Timo, oh. number 34 is the 1962 Best Picture winner, directed by David Lean and starring Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif, <laughs> Alec Guinness, Jack Hawkins. Lawrence of Arabia, boys, ran for oh, another long haul. Oh my oh. Jesus Christ. Lawrence oh, of Arabia. No. This Oh That's tough. That's tough. That's kind of tough luck on my part because we cause that's like my favorite movie ever. Yeah, just ju- just we even just when we've expended all of our praises, we get Timo's number one all-time favorite film. The film the that week. I've seen the most. The film, yeah. Okay. Well, you know? Well, I, that's how the cookie crumbles. We're, it's gonna be a I big didn't one. want a long one, but I guess that's too goddamn bad, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's the rule of the spin. That's the luck of the draw. Wow. I mean, that's this is quite the lineup. We're really putting ourselves through the paces here of, of film mm-hmm. watching to put these two together. And <sighs> well, I can't believe it. It's finally come the day, my day of reckoning. Um, and I'm going to save my premonitions for myself. Um, yeah. We'll get to it when we get to it. We're going to be talking about Lawrence of Arabia. I'm actually super excited. I, I love this movie. Oh, I cannot wait for you guys to watch it. It's so much fun. Um, just if you're going to watch along with us, Quest viewers, my advice, get, having seen this movie a lot, watch it very close to your TV. Sit closer than your grandma would like you to. Um, All right. <laughs> and um, watch it on the biggest screen the you heck? possibly can. Uh, now, the now I know you've field... seen this film 
The You've more... seen this film at a full size theater many time, many a time. Yes. Uh, how close do you? Uh, how close do you get to that screen? He la- you la- he you're lays, not allowed up on stage. I don't he, he lays no, under sit, the screen. Actually, I usually sit in like the sixth row or something like that, like very close to the front for the big old oh, theater okay. that we go to. But um, the biggest screen possible, basically, let it take up as much of your field as view, of view. That's that's my my uh, my viewing recommendations. Take them if you will. Um, I love this movie. It's a lot of fun, and I hope you guys will like it too. Um, and yeah. I guess I won't be too disappointed if it doesn't rank up above this because, <laughs> God damn it, Schindler's List was really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, well, first of all, I don't, don't think... Don't get your hopes up. I don't think we gave enough appreciation to... We have a new number one now. Yeah, I mean, it's like... give a lot of credence to that. Yeah. It's, that's mind-blowing, but we, we do. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, you know, what, what a... I'm, I'm at a loss for words. So yeah, what a what a film to take number one, really. But we'll we'll come back next week. We'll come back, Larry next week. of Ar- Larry of Arabia with Lawrence of Arabia. I'll see you guys then. Peace. <laughs>